Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope that it will encourage you and help you live out your faith in everyday life. Make sure to download our church app by typing Comox Pentecostal into Google Play or the App Store to enjoy more podcasts, Bible resources, giving options, and more. Good morning, everybody. As we were reading that, I fully, with all my love and might, stepped on my husband's foot. Uh, I'm sorry, Mike. (laughs) Oh, well, I love this church. I love this family. And it's a privilege always and an honor when I get to speak um, on a Sunday morning. And so I'm going to do that today. My name is Laura. Um, And I know that there's a lot of visiting people in this place, but I'm the only one with a microphone, so I get to say something that I have my sister here today. Her name is Rachel, and so, yes, thank you. Hi, Rachel. (laughs) Um, She is probably, I, she didn't ask me to do this. She hasn't said anything about it online or anything, and I will probably get in trouble for this. But my sister is an author, um, and she just wrote her first book, and it is called My Sister is My Best Friend by Rachel Ballard. And, of course, it's dedicated to me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, But if you have daughters, sisters, if you have granddaughters or nieces or something, um, it's available on Amazon. So there, I said it. I apologize, Rachel. Um, But my sister is my best friend. Uh, And Mike, you know, I have to say, I actually have three best friends. Um, I have my best friend, who is Elita. And then I have my best friend, who's my sister, And then I have my best friend, who's my husband. So I'm really just glad to have two of those people here today. Anyways, let's pray before we get into the word. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. Thank you that you are here as we sang that the Lord is in this place. Thank you that you have given us a helper in the Holy Spirit that when we come here, that we can know that you have given us the ultimate tool, the ultimate gift of your Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to gently convict us, and to give us a way forward that is filled with hope. So would you help us this morning, King Jesus, as we dive into your scripture? Amen. All right, well, we are in... A series right now called Jesus in the Bedroom, as you saw, and um, we're not talking about sex today. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But we're going to talk about relationships and marriage and all that encompasses that. Uh, last week, we, we began by looking at the four foundational truths to this series, and that, um, so we'll recap those. The first is that sex is not a basic human need, that Christ elevates all people, and that singleness is equally celebrated and valued and loved in this place. The second is that zo- those who are single are equally affirmed, And the third is that marriage was God's idea, purposed around and inseparably connected to his image and is identified by self-giving love. Marriage is a covenant. And the last foundation is that sex was God's idea for pleasure and procreation within a mutual, whole, self-giving, consensual, lifelong covenant. Sex is a covenant renewal celebration. Amen? Amen. So last week we began to talk about uh, and looking back at some of the history of Roman culture and, and who Jesus was addressing and the culture that he was shifting when he walked on this earth and gave us the words that he did. 
Roman culture in that day was wholeheartedly about self, completely. It was about power, pleasure, prestige, image, dominance. And as we learned a bit last week, it was oppressive, particularly to women, slaves, and boys. It was male-centric. A lot of those things are actually still culturally um, prevalent today. We're going to talk a bit about today's culture and how it's affecting our marriages in today's context. But in order to do that, we're going to talk about something revolutionary that Jesus introduced to the world that is essential for marriage and beneficial for everybody. And that is self-service and sacrifice. So we're going to look to Jesus, to his examples, to his words, and apply it to our marriages today. I was going to say, let's pray, but we already did that, so we're good. We're going to look at four different passages of scripture today. The first three, we're going to move a bit quicker through, and the first one we will start with is chapter 10 of the book of Mark. In the, uh, if you'll remember last summer, we did a series on the book of Mark, and one of the things that we learned in that series was that Jesus was always revealing the nature of God and the nature of the kingdom in his time on earth. When he taught the people, he was revealing the nature of God and the nature of the kingdom. He was giving us a new way to live. So let's look at Mark chapter 10. This is the the famous story of James and John asking to be seated at the right hand and the other at the left, as you know so well. So John, John and James do that. I'm paraphrasing here, as you can tell. Um, Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking for. And they are like, no, we, we think we do. We do know what we're asking for. And then Jesus explains a little bit. And then the other disciples get really mad because they're like, why would you go and do that? Um, and ask Jesus, like, that was just the worst. And then Jesus says this in verse 42. Jesus called them all together and says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to serve, to be served, (laughs) pardon me, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The second passage of scripture that we're going to turn to this morning is Philippians 2, verse 5 to 8. And this speaks a little bit to who Jesus is. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Here we have the words of Jesus, and then we have the words of uh, Paul in Philippians about Jesus, painting a picture for us of the kingdom, the nature of the kingdom, and who Jesus was and the example that we're to take from him to live our lives. John chapter 13, we're gonna keep going through scripture here. I'm I'm gonna just plow through this, okay? Because we got a lot to talk about. John chapter 13, we have the famous story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. So again, I'm gonna just recap a little bit. So John uh, is writing this, and the way that he writes it, he says that Jesus was already aware that the hour had come, that the time had come for, um, that everything was going to shift. The time had come now for the the process to be put in place where he would be uh, imprisoned, uh, captured, arrested, betrayed by Judas. And then he turns to them. Let me find my spot here. And he comes to them and realizes that there's no servant. 
Um, so he comes and he grabs a basin, fills it with water, wraps a towel around his waist. And Peter causes a great fuss and says, no, 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 you can't wash my feet. Jesus says in verse 7, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. Unless I wash you, you can have no part with me. And Peter responds quite um, impressively, I suppose. Then wash all of me, wash my head, wash my hands, wash all of me. And Jesus says, it's okay. Those who have already had a bath need only to wash their feet. Um, so Peter, remember last, uh, I think it was on Easter Sunday, Mike talked about Peter's experience with the Lord and how he said, Peter, do you love me? As after Peter denied him, Peter had already um, received the washing, the salvation. He had been cleansed permanently by Jesus. But our feet still get dirty, right? Even though we've had a shower that day, our feet still get dirty. We need to be washed. And so Jesus is saying here, listen, I'm, you know, you don't have to worry. You're safe with me, but, but sometimes you need your feet washed. <laughs> they all had a problem with this, and Jesus says in verse 14, or no, I'm sorry, in verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place at the table. And he said, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. This is one of Jesus' last opportunities to really instruct his disciples on something. We, as scripture moves on, um, we see that kind of from this point forward, the story is unfolding of, of the resurrection and, and, I'm sorry, the, the crucifixion and the resurrection. So this is one of his last times where he's having one of the last meals with his disciples, a last opportunity to reveal a nugget of truth for them to live by. And what does he do? He teaches on serving. I think that's incredible. I also think it's interesting that he did that even knowing that Judas was sitting there and he washed Judas's feet. Now we're gonna to turn to the book of Ephesians and I forgot to mark it in my Bible so it's gonna take a second. You're gonna love this scripture. I know you all do because all scripture is breathed by God. Verse 21 of Ephesians chapter five, it says this, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Verse 22 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Skipping down a little bit, it says in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her as a holy and radiant church. Uh, blameless and blemishless, um, etc. So this is an interesting scripture here. This is one that, as soon as it's read from the pulpit, uh, a lot of us go, let's not. Can we just skip this one? <laughs> Today, my goal is not to open a debate on the theological understanding of the scripture and whether or not it's complementarianism versus egalitarianism, uh, whether it is a gender role. Um, we're, not, we're not getting into all of those things today. But what I want to talk about is the bigger picture here. And for all of us, what we can take from these scriptures and what I believe Christ was truly trying to teach us as a servant himself, as the humble servant. So I have a quote here from Daryl Johnson, and we get, um, bless his heart, I'm just so thankful for really amazing teachers and um, scholars who have studied and know the scripture so well. And here we go, he says this, being subject, which is what the very first word of submit yourselves to one another means is to be subject literally means standing under hupotasso the greek to stand under 
When we are filled with the Spirit, we find ourselves standing under, under Jesus Christ and standing under each other. Wives standing under husband and husband standing under wife. Children standing under parents and parents standing under children. I love that the very first part of this passage is to the whole church. Before he gets into the, the kind of the marital structures and, the, and all of that stuff that we can kind of get caught up in, um, he addresses all of us, Paul does, and says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That word, hupotasso, means to stand under, to come underneath. We are called as believers by the example of Jesus Christ to serve one another to give of ourselves. So often, you know, when we talk about today's culture, those words are just simply not in our language. Or they might be, but they're not lived out in a way that's pure and without motive. Today's culture, the motive is one thing, and that is self. My gratification, my success, my freedom, but the gospel goes completely contrary to that. Marriage is meant to be a gospel reenactment. Christ loving the church and the church submitting to Christ. This is scary because I think it's been misused in a lot of ways. But when Paul said what he did, he was changing culture, not affirming it. Culture already accepted that women were meant to be subjects uh, and already knew very well how to misuse that and as a result, oppress women and others. Culture had already accepted it, but what Paul was revealing now was the nature of the kingdom through the example of Jesus and how that should impact our marriages. So when we read that scripture, we don't actually have to be afraid. We don't have to bristle. Because when we allow the Holy Spirit to translate that in our hearts and what that means for me and what that means for you, we look to Christ and how he loved us, not to the misguided and the misused translation and interpretation of scripture. I can't think of a single example where the love of Christ caused oppression. So husbands, when it says, love your wives, what does it mean? When the example of Christ, as Christ loves the church, is given, what is Paul pointing to? He's not pointing to the ruler, the exalted ruler who had all authority. When Paul is referring to Jesus in Philippians, as we read, and the example by which we should follow to love our wives, he's referring to the suffering son as the example, the servant, the one who came to give all that he had. I think that sometimes the human misuse of a passage can shape what we think to be true, and I think it's happened for a long time. But abuse of scripture doesn't disqualify the proper use of scripture. Husbands, love your wives. Serve to come under. This whole passage in Ephesians is um, predicated, prefaced, prefaced is the word, I think, by him referring to, speaking to the whole church. Come under one another. Serve one another. Husbands, love your wives by serving your wives. Women, submit to your husbands. <laughs> I didn't mean for a dramatic pause there, but it worked. Um, <laughs> this is the one, and when I speak to people bristling at this passage, I think it's, it's us wives. Um, because of the misuse, because of the abuse of the scripture, 
because of that, and I don't think that there are a lot of husbands in this place who are firmly, wholeheartedly seeking the excuse to have power and dominance in their marriage. But generationally, for hundreds, if not thousands of years, that has been the process and the accepted culture that has been ingrained into society and thus bled into the Christian church. But women, the Bible says, submit to your husband as he is the headship of the house. And again, I'm not getting into the debates on all of that this morning. But what scripture is saying to us as women, he's also saying to husbands. I hope you see the line that Paul was actually leveling the playing field, addressing the misuse of culture by the treatment, the mistreatment of women by saying, no, no, yeah, no, submit, serve, serve your husbands. But husbands, love your wives. And in using the example of Christ, ultimately he is saying, you too, you serve. Self-giving love means to come under in order to lift up both together in marriage. So women, we don't have to be afraid of this because the example that we have to look to is Christ and how he served the church and how he came under in order to lift up. If I can, for a moment, um, I'm only up here once during the, this marriage series so I'm gonna say la a little bit, uh, just take a little pause from um, this and just talk to women for a minute. Um, we've had to work really hard with the help of incredible men who have helped liberate women to get where we're at today, where society more and more is celebrating and acknowledging and equalizing the contribution of women and the absolute necessity for us in our world. But we have to be so careful that we don't allow the pendulum to swing so far in the opposite direction where our sinful nature gets in and says, now it's time, I want a little bit of the glory, as Nacho Libre says in Nacho Libre. <laughs> I want a little taste of the glory. Our sinful nature, if we allow it to creep in, says it's my turn for the power. And what we are doing is we are now undermining and oppressing the very people that God has called us to come under and elevate. I think that there's an epidemic amongst Christian women. This is where I speak from the heart. Please hear me that the more liberated we feel, that the more free that we feel, which is so good and so important, we can allow deception to creep in. Whereas Christian women, we feel that we need to leave everything that we have for the sake of self-discovery. I see so many examples of prominent Christian female leaders walking away from faith and from family, and they present it in such an eloquent way where they romanticize it. But my friends, deception looks and even tastes delicious, but it's only for a moment. Eve didn't look at that tree and pick a rotten piece of fruit. It wasn't squishy and gooey and gross and moldy. It was ripe and it was supple. It was colorful and behind it and attached to it, it had all the promise of better. But as we all know, it was not better. I have so many friends in my life and so many examples outside of my life too, where this whole liberation thing is getting out of hand. <laughs> there are so many what should be incredibly godly, healthy marriages, and we're seeing wives walk away 
for the sake of self-discovery, finding myself, living my truth. And my heart absolutely breaks. I want you to know this morning that aside from an abusive and unsafe relationship, the grass is not greener on the other side. Because when we stand on that altar and we take that covenant with one another, we are not saying, I'll try. We are saying, I do. I choose you in sickness and in health. And culture and society today is telling us, if it's not working out, some people just fall out of love. That's okay. Go find your, your truth. Go live it. Give it all up. But a sacred covenant is a sacred covenant. And I want to encourage you as a wife, as a mother, as a woman, do the hard work. Don't give up. If you are struggling in your marriage, fight for it. And that doesn't mean be silent. It can't mean be silent. We have to speak. We have to do the hard work of making it right. Can you all receive that this morning? Okay, back to the, the message. Self-giving love to come under in order to lift up. It's both together. It's husbands and wives. Serving one another in marriage is Christ in marriage. Tim Keller says, when I serve, it changes me, and, when I, and it changes her, my spouse. He's a man saying that, so I can say, when I serve, it changes me, and it changes him. Why? Because when I serve, I'm, I'm facing my attitudes and my selfish ambitions directly in the face and saying, not today. So it changes me and it changes him because I'm giving and setting aside myself and my selfish ambitions in order to come under to lift him up. When we serve our spouses, we are bringing the best out of them. So what does that look like? What does it look like serving one another by coming under to lift up? How does that look? It looks like the mundane, every day, not just planning an awesome experience for your spouse and going out of your way to do something amazing like that, which is necessary and definitely do that. <laughs> but it means the mundane. It means every single day, day in and day out, actively looking for ways to lift up and bless your partner. We have um, a couple in our lives that, uh, from a long time ago, an older couple, well into marriage and wisdom. And he's not a coffee drinker at all, never. And he told us one time in conversation that every day he gets up and he makes his wife a pot of coffee. He hates coffee. I don't even know if he likes the smell of it. But he does that for her. He serves his wife in that way. And I just think that's so sweet. We have another couple in our lives um, whose wife is ill. And they live in the lower mainland. And, and chronically ill. And the way that this husband serves his wife is unbelievable. Looking out for her best interest, taking care of her physical needs with no promise of return. Tim Keller, I was watching a, um, a video on this. It's on Right Now Media, The Meaning of Marriage. And he was talking about service in our families and such. And, and it's a lot easier to serve our kids because they're actually helpless, you know, at a, at a certain age. Um, but in doing so and in selflessly serving day in and day out our kids, it changes us and it changes them, remember? But how it changes us is we begin to realize we get in their lives and we do everything for them, like everything. And what do we get out of that? The absolute resolution that I would die for my children. I would go out of my way. I would put myself in harm's way to 
to die to save them and to protect them. It's a hard reality when we can't say that about our spouses. <laughs> I laugh because it's me, guys. I'm selfish. I'm self, and I, I believe I would die for you, Mike. But the... <laughs> <laughs> do you hear what I'm saying though like when we serve one another our love for the other grows so much if the service in your life that you're giving creates resentment and bitterness then you're not serving with the power of the Holy Spirit that's good write that down I feel like so often we get caught up in the to-do lists and all of that, but if it's not creating and increasing your love for your spouse, then it's in the wrong spirit. Serving one another means carrying our burdens together, sharing the load of life. It doesn't just mean um, a domestic lines that, you know, well, I bring home the bread. Is that what they say? Bacon, thank you. I'm the breadwinner. I bring home the bacon. <laughs> that blesses me, actually. Mike does often bring home actual bacon, and I appreciate that. It's not just about those lines. It's the bigger picture. It's the serving of the person and their heart and their, their needs and their dreams and the life that you've built together, your children, carrying the burden of life together, you are on the same team. Taking initiative and responsibility in your marriage is service to the other person. Showing gratitude often for the other person's contribution in your marriage is serving. Learning to speak their love language. How many of you guys know uh, Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages, that's real. And I can tell you right now that I am 100% acts of service. Uh, it just, it, it is, and sometimes I don't like that. I feel like we get a bad rap uh, that I want you to serve me. <laughs> or the gifts, you know, like I just want you to give me gifts. Um, they're all there for a purpose, and obviously it's bigger than that. At the end of the day, most of these love languages want to know that you think about me, that you think I'm important. Serving the other person in your marriage by learning their love language means if their love language is quality time and you'd rather be alone, that you just spend some time with them and fill up their tank. If theirs is words of affirmation, that you affirm them that you call out the gold in them, and so on and so forth. Physical affection, gifts, acts of service. I wanna encourage you to ask your spouse today the very practical question, how do you best feel my love? And if they answer in a way that it causes discomfort in you, don't bristle and don't respond with yeah, but. But ask the question, what fills your tank the most? And then do that. Our sinful nature is always going to slowly pull us back into selfishness. And in our marriage, as Peter learned in the scripture, we need to regularly be washed by Jesus. We need to allow his example to be renewed in our life daily so that we can model ourselves after the humble servant that Jesus is. He came, he came under to lift us up. He gave everything, power, authority, and like on a pretty grand level too, I might add, for us so that he could be in full and right and whole connection and relationship with us. Our marriages are meant to be a gospel representation. Can you imagine what it would be like in our families, in our neighborhoods, if husbands and wives truly embodied the nature of the kingdom, and that is to serve one another? Wouldn't that be glorious? 
Does my marriage reflect the nature of the kingdom? And does my spouse agree with that answer? Because I can answer that question for myself and be like, yeah, I'm pretty amazing and I do a really good job of loving. (laughs) But if the answer on the other side is, no, I actually don't feel that, then we need to do some serious work at looking at how we can restore and bring healing. Um, We have a tree. I'm going to read this here because I thought I wrote it nicely. We have a tree beside our front door. It's cute. It's lovely. It has a nice terracotta pot, and it's perched up on a painted crate. It was a nice tree. But we didn't water the tree enough. This is an actual life uh, story uh, revealing to you and I that we are indeed plant killers. But there's a bigger, um, a bigger picture that we can take from this here. We didn't water the tree enough. Every once in a while while I was walking in the door and I happened to have a water bottle with me, I would dump whatever was left in it. The soil turned desert dry. One day, a neighborhood kid accidentally knocked it off his perch and the pot broke. The terracotta pot shattered into pieces. The desert dry sand or dirt poured out all over the pavement. I picked it up and we carefully pieced the the big enough pieces of the terracotta pot back together, scooped up some of that dry dirt, put it back in the pot, put the tree back in. We did our best to patch it, but there were definitely holes in that pot. The dirt that was desert dry spilled out from the brokenness of the pot. It was only pieced back together and fractured by the broken pieces. The tree continued to slump over and over, laying helpless, waiting, wanting, the roots dry and the needles crisping. What I did was I took the pot, I got a new pot, and I put fresh soil in, and I moved it to a place where it could have sunlight and water, nature's elements. We live on like a covered porch. So this tree was not receiving the natural elements that God provided to help it survive and thrive. And I think with our marriages, we are that tree. Sometimes we don't water it and the dirt becomes dry. We don't give it the sunlight that it needs, which might be the help of the Holy Spirit. And then uncontrollable circumstances happen like somebody walking by and knocking it off and breaking the pot. But with our very best efforts to just piece that all back together, if we don't take drastic and intentional actions to heal and put back together and remove it from this situation and put it in this situation, the tree will continue to die because we're just trying in our own efforts to solve a problem that needs so much more than what we can do. My friends, God is on your side. The enemy does not need you to serve him. He only needs you to serve yourself. Serving yourself is good enough for the devil because that is what tears apart families and marriages. I want to encourage you this morning to look for kingdom-reflecting marriages around you and ask them how they do it. And don't be surprised when you find out they're not perfect and that it takes really hard work. Seek help. Ask for help. Ask one another questions. What does it mean for me to serve you and how best do you feel my love? Christian service to one another is counting the cost. It is elevating others above yourself. It is not using scripture for selfish gain or as a justification of our misuse of other people. I remind you that Christ's love was never that example. Christ's love was always empowering, lifting up, and freeing of one another. 
And if we can do that, if in our marriages we can celebrate the other person by lifting them up and pouring into them what the Holy Spirit has given us to love with, we will see them flourish and thrive. We will see them grow and experience the best that God has for them. Isn't that such a privilege that you and I get to be a part of that in somebody's life? Isn't it such a privilege that you get to be a part of calling out the best in somebody's life? And God has given you that person. And if you are in this place this morning and you listen and you think, yeah, but Laura, this is like, this is bad. Get help. Seek help. Ask the Holy Spirit. He loves you. In that same Tim Keller um, video, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back. Um, it was a really interesting setting. They had a Christian couple uh, in this interview, and they had a non-Christian couple, and they had uh, a, a couple pastors. Anyways, um, one of the things that they were talking about was like resources, and what do you do? Like, how do you fuel the health in your marriage? And and the non-Christian couple agreed that serving one another is paramount and, and one of the most important things. Um, but they struggled to, to know how to do that and to have resources. And, and the, the husband, the non-believer, he said, you know, I have to look so far outside of my marriage, we do, to find resources to help us. But Christians have the Bible and they have God. And sometimes I wonder what it would feel like to know that God has my back in our marriage. Isn't that astounding? You, my friends, have the ultimate gift of God in your marriage. And if we can believe that, that God has your back and that he wants the best for you, then there is hope for you in your marriage today. The scripture says in Philippians, do nothing out of selfish ambition or personal gain, but love one another. And my call to you this morning, CPC, is to love your spouse and to love them by serving them and to allow the Holy Spirit to put his finger on your attitude when you serve. Do I feel bitter? Or do I feel my love growing for my partner? And do the hard work of listening to your partner and growing together. I love this church, as I said at the beginning of this message, and I believe in your marriage. I believe in my marriage. And I believe that the God of the universe who sent his son to give everything for us and left behind his Holy Spirit to continue every day, day in and day out with us, has your back and is here to help. So do the hard work. Look each other in the eyes and love one another. Can we pray? Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here with us. I know that a topic like marriage is a, is a sensitive, precious, sacred topic. And because of such great and deep love, there's so much room for incredible hurt and pain. But this morning, King Jesus, we come before you and we, we lay our marriages at your feet. And we ask, Holy Spirit, would you reveal in my life the ways that I've allowed selfish ambition to creep into my marriage and impact my most beloved? And would you allow my heart and my eyes and my spirit and my mind to be opened? Would you allow my love for my husband to grow as I serve him? And would you show me the best ways how to do it? Thank you that you have our back. Thank you that you are for us. In Jesus' name, amen. We celebrate in communion together here as we conclude, so you can grab a communion packet home. You can prepare to join us in this as well. 
I know that you join me in gratitude for the reminder through Laura's words today of the importance of serving in relationship. It is paramount in marriages, but it is equally possible if you're not married, if you're a single person with us today, online or in the room, your life continues to display God's nature, his kingdom realities, and the gospel to the world through our self-giving love and acts of service to one another. I wanna just share as we prepare for communion, uh, just briefly. Uh, a few years ago, coming up on two years ago, uh, Laura and I, together with our family, were in Mexico and we renewed our wedding vows together to mark our 15th year anniversary. And we were uh, on a beach, the weather was great, kids were dressed up and doing their best to behave and not too silly and all that. It was a very meaningful moment for both Laura and I as we held one another's hands, looked into one another's eyes, and recommitted the same vows we had to one another from 15 years earlier. And it was very emotional for both of us. And the moment uh, that I got most emotional was actually when I noticed a few gray hairs in Laura's beautiful hair. And I just thought, you know, this is it. This is the dream. We talk about growing older together. And uh, I'm winning in the gray hair category. It's coming through. I'm doing my best to cover it up with this wig. Um, <laughs> Laura has just a couple gray hairs. But it was the symbol of it's hard work. But we're growing old together. And Laura got emotional when the officiant had her repeat her commitment to me, that in covenant she was committed to me in sickness and in health. And it was when she said, in sickness. Many of you who have been part of our church family for the last year at least might remember in the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality series, I shared about uh, a, a long season in my life where I hit a wall and had a very serious emotional collapse. And I could no longer be at my best for my family. Laura saw me at my absolute weakest and worst. And she practiced what she had committed in covenant to me of serving me when I was at my weakest and my worst. And so Laura has a tremendous authority of not just serving well when life is easy and life is fun, but when you go through the gritty grind of hard life moments. And so I hope that you will receive her words because they come with a great authority and great experience. I know she wouldn't get up here to boast in her own example. But in the same way, I think we need to be reminded <laughs> that uh, recommitting vows, renewing them, is actually a picture of what communion is. As we saw earlier in Laura's message, there was a reminder that marriage is a covenant and as we talked a little bit about last week, Christ on the cross was demonstrating through covenant, self-giving love and his commitment to us. And how do we respond? It's actually through our baptism that we respond by covenant to him, saying, I'm giving myself self-giving love to you. And so how do we mark our covenant in the ongoing day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month parts of life. What, what is the covenant renewal ceremony of our faith? It's communion. This is us physically reminding our bodies by taking these elements into ourselves. This is us reenacting together with the Lord by his spirit, his sacrifice, and our response. So I want to ask you to join me in this right now. I know it's a little bit funny with these little cups that we have here in the room, but if you peel back the cellophane on top, there's a little cracker underneath. Under that is the foil, which you can peel back, and it reveals the juice. Scripture says that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. Would you just break this little wafer with me? There's something powerfully symbolic. The wholeness and perfection and completeness of Christ was broken at the cross. And it's this beautiful reversal that's promised to us. All of us know what it's like to live out a broken human experience. And Jesus, God himself comes and says, I will be broken. 
as a symbol and promise of my commitment to make you whole. So he broke the bread and he said, do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together today as a reminder to ourselves of our covenant relationship with God and his promise that he is making us whole. Let's take it together. In the same way, on the same occasion, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup represents a new agreement, a new connection between God and people, a better agreement, one where God initiated self-giving love. And this cup represents death, and life, his death, which provides for us life abundant and life everlasting. If you, like me, know that you need his life, let's take this cup in remembrance together. Let's stand together. Joel is going to lead us in a song of response and commitment together, and then we'll conclude our time in prayer. I want to pray over you. I want to pray over couples. I want to pray over singles. And as I'm praying here, I'm actually going to call Calvin and Clara Fornell, if you could come make yourselves available. Um, Sheila and Brooke, could you guys come just make yourselves available here as well? Laura will make herself available. If you would like prayer in response to anything that's stirred in your heart today, it could have to do with what we've talked about today. It could be something completely different. You just want somebody to pray with you, pray for you today. These people would love to do that. Or you can turn to somebody nearby in your row and just pray together. But for this moment, uh, as we did earlier, could you just put your hand over your heart? If you've got your sweetie nearby, you can grab their hand as well. Father, we receive today your word of encouragement. We receive today, again, the reminder of your example, that your love is the kind of love that gives, that serves. So, Father, we're praying for spirit empowerment for every married couple today, this week, to serve and to love. For all of us as a church community, married or single, as we go into our friendships, as we go into our community, into our work world, school world, Help us to love and to serve in the same spirit that Christ does. Now, Father, as we go into your world on your mission, we declare again our dependence upon you. We can't do this on our own. We need your spirit. So help us now, we pray. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray this together. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Well, I wish you to have a great week. And I will be praying this week, if you will also, that spring actually arrives soon enough. The temperatures shall get warm. We shall see the sun. It shall be good. Have a wonderful week. Again, if you need prayer, any one of these people would love to pray with you today. Thanks again for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged you as you live out your faith in everyday life. Make sure to download our church app by typing Comox Pentecostal into Google Play or the App Store to enjoy more podcasts, Bible resources, giving options, and more.